Welcome, because we are the most cutting edge of podcasts, in order to deal with an interactive musical today, we're going to be an interactive podcast. How this is going to work is when you hear a big word followed by a bell, pause the podcast wherever you are, even if you're outside, on the subway, at a funeral, why are you listening to a podcast at a funeral, pause and just spell the word out loud. This way you can participate in our spelling bee. We'll just know if you got it right or not. Trust us, this is a good idea. Enjoy! Harrison. Gabby. Please spell syzygy. S-Y-Z-Y-G-Y? Syzygy? Yeah, did you look that up in advance or do you just remember? I just remember. Okay. I am Gabriella Gazelowitz. You are listening to Pick a Little Talk Little, the podcast where we talk about musicals. And with me today is our old dear co-hosty friend. <gasps> Everybody, welcome back, Harrison Benjamin. Woo! Um you probably know what show we're doing based on our really clever cold open. So smart. So so cool. What show are we doing today, Harrison? The 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Okay, not only can we not sing it every time we say it, we can't even say the whole title every time we say it. So this is the 2005 musical that is about a bunch of kids at a spelling bee. Uh, it's very character-driven because it turns out when the plot is a spelling bee, there's not all that much that can happen except that people spell stuff and then there's a winner. Um, that is the plot. We're done. So to start with, not all shows get to Broadway the same way. And I am going to kind of partly read from Wikipedia just so you get the idea of how wild it was that this thing made it to Broadway. So the musical was based upon Crepuscule, which was an improvisational play created by Rebecca Feldman performed by The Farm, which was a New York-based improv comedy troupe. Crepuscule is also another word for Twilight. So in the cast, who eventually made it to Broadway, was Sarah Salzberg. And she happened to be the nanny during the weekends of Wendy Wasserstein, the late great playwright. So Wendy Wasserstein was like, I'll see my child's nanny in this thing. And Wendy Wasserstein was like, this is so good. Hey, buddy, William Finn, you should see this show. And then William Finn got interested and he brought in uh, Rachel Scheinkin to write the libretto. And then eventually it got to Broadway and it's just ridiculous. So. Music score and lyrics by William Finn, libretto by Rachel Scheinkin, and then quote-unquote um, like extra material by Jay Rice, who was A, in the original cast, and B, like life partners romantically involved somehow with the original comedy lady. Rebecca Feldman? Yeah. But did you see actually also that um, Rachel Scheinkin, she actually was William Finn's grad student at the time when he brought her in. Schenken, Scheinkin. There you Schenken, go. Schenken, I don't know. So with theater, it's either about who you know and a lot of luck or money. Um, so what is our personal relationships with the show? What if, what's, what's your background with this show? So I was fortunate enough to see the show on Broadway at Circle in the Square. Same skis. And then I, a few years ago, got the chance to play Barfay in a community theater production. 
awesome. Uh, so I I'll also saw it on Broadway. And also uh, for two years in a row, I won the grade spelling bee. I won the spelling bee at the grade level, but then I did not win for the school. So I did not get near, I did not get anywhere near the county level, but I was like a mini champion speller. So, so there's a little bit of emotional baggage going in for me, which is perfect because this musical is all about emotional baggage. (laughs) Um, If if it wasn't, I don't know what else you can say it's about. Yeah. Well, okay. Going into this musical, the important thing to do is compare it to the Hunger Games. Because, is it really? Because both of them are about making children compete with each other for our sick, twisted pleasure. It's like, what is the point? Okay, you can spell. Okay, you can kill a person. Like, it's it's kind of sadistic. And, and then it's about exploring the inner lives of these children. There are a lot more children in The Hunger Games. And, with a, with a, and they skew a bit older. In The, in the yes, Hunger Games. in The Hunger Games, they skew a bit older. The fun story also, though, with this musical is that the six main children are all meant to be cast actors who are above the age level to enter a spelling bee. Uh, here, Here's my problem going into this podcast episode. Okay. This is an interactive Broadway musical, and I do not know how to make this podcast interactive. So I think what we should do is just stop every now and then and like say a big word and then just wait for the audience to, to spell try to it. spell it. And then we'll have our producer you, put in a little ding because that ding means they got it wrong because they're not going to get any of these words right. You have You have a list of words for them? Nope. Nice. So the show opens with a flashback. Um, We have one character on stage winning with the word syzygy, uh, a spelling bee, and now we are sent to the future, and it is the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, and the little girl who won, Rona Peretti, is now emceeing the event. And as she is preparing the stage, preparing the microphone, getting everything ready, the spellers who have all won their regional bees are all getting ready to make their appearances and, and check in to spell for the spelling bee. Right. So we have the opening number, which I love as an opening number. I think it's it's delightful and lovely. It, it Well, it's a lovely title song. And then it establishes everything about the characters that you need to know for how to approach them. So we will get to them in a second. I will say this is our first William Finn musical on the podcast. I am not going to call it his sellout musical because that's really, I don't think, was his intention. I think it was a labor of love. But it is his most accessible musical. Probably. It's his most traditional musical. Less weird (laughs) by comparison. But the harmonies in here, because of what he writes usually, are absolutely spectacular. So the plot doesn't really matter, but the characters absolutely do. So let's go over the characters. We have, as we established, Miss Peretti. We have Vice Principal Potch. Panch. Panch. It's an N. Vice Principal Panch, who has some kind of emotional problems and was called in to run the event last minute. He, he was last seen five years ago at a bee where he something happened that may have to do with his uh, lactose intolerance or any other emotional issues. Illusions are made. It's like the <laughs> spaghetti incident from Calvin and Hobbes. Um, there is Mitch Mahoney, who is the quote-unquote comfort counselor, whose job is essentially to give a child an apple juice when they have lost the competition. And a hug. And and a hug. And he is uh, like an ex-felon who is doing this as part of his community service. Mm-hmm. So those and, are the three adults that you'll see on stage. Right. And then, of course, uh, after this number, they're going to call up people from the audience to participate in the show as spelling bee contestants usually it's four sometimes it's three depending on the theater the length of the show that they intend so who are our contestants who are 
actual characters. So first up, we have Chip Tolentino. Chip Tolentino, he won the B last year, didn't he? He He went to nationals. He went to nationals. He did not win at nationals, but he made it there. Next walking in, we have Logan Schwartz and Grubinier. So her name is not a hyphenate. And her name, it's not like Schwarzenegger. It's Schwartz, A-N-D, Grubinier. As one name. William Finn is gay, so I'm going to say that she's not hashtag problematic, but her shtick is that she has these two overbearing fathers who- No, one is overbearing. She is a little girl with a lot of pressure on her. She's younger than the other contestants. She also has an adorable lisp and is uh, hyper-political. Oh, also William Finn is Jewish, and this is where the only Jewish reference in this- Actually, no, that's not one of, that's Yes, the, the Schwartz true. of Schwartz and Grubinier is Jewish. Yes. Right afterwards, walking in is Leif Coneybear. Okay, Leif is from a large, weird, smart, homeschooled family. His siblings' names are Marigold, Brook, Pinecone, Raisin, Landscape, and Paul. Um... And they're homeschooled, and he actually placed third in his spelling bee. You see, <laughs> the winner of the spelling bee was having a bat mitzvah. And the runner-up to the spelling bee had to attend the bat mitzvah. So because of that, he was called in to join the other members at the Putnam County Spelling Bee. So Leaf is a very strange, gentle child with a lot to prove and a family that utterly disrespects him and calls him dumb all the time. And he is surrounded by whiz kids. Because here's the thing, you don't need to be smart to be a good speller. So uh, who is next after Leaf? Okay, so after leave, in walks William Morris Barfay. Barfy? It's pronounced Barfay. There's an accent in you. Okay. He's the weird kid in a different way. He's kind of like, he like breathes very heavy. He has a lot mm-hmm. of health issues. He's kind of aggressive. He's aggressive mostly as a way to protect himself because he's the butt of jokes, but he winds up bullying and then allowing himself to be bullied, which is really unfortunate. He's like, well, because he's these also kids the are all types. of divorce. Yeah, his dad is married to a much younger woman who he calls his fake mom. Yes. Um, And also notably, last year he was also in the county level, but he had an allergic reaction to the brownies and he had to... And he had to go home. So he wants... This is sort of his chance at vindication. It's his comeback. All right. Couple left. Right. So in walks Marcy Park. They don't really recognize her because she's a recent transfer. Her parents move around a lot for work. She goes to parochial school. If you think there's pressure on Logan Schwartz and Grubinier, Marcy, like, hides in the <laughs> in the cupboard and isn't allowed to cry and sleeps three hours a night. But she seems to be keeping it all together yeah. right now. Well, she seems to have no real personality yet. She's all business. All right. And who does this leave us with? Ms. Olive Ostrovsky. Olive the, Ol- the, yeah. the darling of the show. Yeah. We'll get into Olive's family more later, but what you need to know now is she's sort of a soft, quiet, sad, nerdy little girl. and that Very shy. It's a $25 fee to compete in the competition, and she took the bus from home because her dad isn't there yet, and her mom's away. Mm-hmm. And so uh, she is just starting, starting the competition being like, my dad will show up soon and pay the money, and it'll be fine. Before the bee can begin, we have to know the spelling bee rules. Oh, also, important to say, before we have the spelling rules... All of our audience volunteers have been placed on the bleachers or chairs or what have you. They've been informed these three rules. This is behind the scenes look at what they're being instructed. You don't know this from watching the show. Do not act. 
Then they're also supposed to ask for a definition of the word that they are given, as well as it to be used in a sentence. Uh, sometimes also during the show, they will be instructed to do things by the other cast members trying to make sure this show runs smoothly. So we'll get more into the audience uh, participants later, but um, quick audience, spell rabbit. Okay. I can't decide whether or not it's worth it, whether or not the gimmick of the show that does drive some improvisation actually really fundamentally makes a difference. The important part of it is the fact that Crepuscule was based on a semi-improvisational show. You can build improvisation into a show without bringing the audience into it. It, it kind of defeats the, the real thrill of improvisation. All right. Going back over the show, whenever I listen to the cast recording, I'm just kind of like, eh, this show is fine. But having experienced it live and rereading the libretto... I'm like, man, there's a lot the going for the here show. Is amazing. The, it's it's a rare show where the book is stronger than the score. That said, yes. we will be talking about the music. And the next song is the Spelling Bee Rules, where they sing what the rules of the Spelling Bee are. The rules don't matter. Don't worry about it. It's a spelling bee. You all know how that works. Right. And this is theoretically Panch's song, if anything, but Panch doesn't sing. He says what the rules are, and all the kids very fervently and with exuberance sing them. So, Which leads us directly into Rona's song, her favorite moment of the bee. Yeah, this has a bunch of little reprises where she's just mm-hmm. singing about she's how much one, she two, likes three. doing this. It's cute. While Pant directs the show, uh, Rona is, is the audience, especially the adult audience's uh, lens into the show to understand the format of what a spelling bee is, in case you've never been there. Yeah, well... People are spelling like it's no there's no point going point to point. It's like and then Schwartz spells this word and they make this joke. But the next song of note uh, is when we first have all of spelling and the song is My Friend the Dictionary. I think this musical does a really good job generally tonally of balancing the humor and the poignancy and making us actually care about the kids. And part of that is having some kids be more funny and some kids be less funny right more tragic in my friend the dictionary olive sings about how the dictionary is her best friend because she doesn't have friends at school the dictionary is always the same no matter what you can look something up in the dictionary and it will be reliable because her father she insinuates is emotionally absent and her mother is at an ashram in india yeah musically we're getting to sing the the very quick ending in the harmonies after all the lyrics. Mm-hmm. It's so much fun. It was one of the, my favorite things to sing in the show. There's a moment where all the characters start talking about Olive. But I do love the line um, where Logan jumps in and goes, and I've heard that she's pro-choice, <laughs> though still a virgin, which is such like a mainstream, like liberal. She's still a virgin. She's supposed school. To, oh, How do you know this? this? Oh, I thought <laughs> it was weird that she's talking about her being a virgin. She's supposed to be like 11. Even on top of that, you don't even go to the same school. Where Are there like spelling bee blogs? So around this time, one of the audience members is supposed to spell a word wrong and we get the first goodbye. Uh, every time someone gets kicked out of the competition, they sing the goodbye song. It's fine. It's good. It's a nice quick 20 second bout, although there's actually three different versions of it. But one of those versions is a combination of the other two. Shout out to the word phylactery as a spelling word, especially used in a sentence, Billy, put down that phylactery, we're Episcopalian. Episcopalian. The B proves to be uneven, and even, and... Oh, you mean uneven in difficulty. And some people are getting harder words than others. Like one of those audience volunteers usually gets Mexican. 
So they sing the song Pandemonium. Pandemonium is one of my favorite numbers in this really? show. Yes. It, it, it's up and down for me, but it's the only true um, full cast song. And one of the fun moments is that while on stage, the other cast members are convincing the audience volunteers remaining on stage, usually it's three at this time, to dance with them in choreography that they have never learned. I don't know, I just, I think it's a fun song. I think that what this show does that's smart that people don't necessarily give it credit for is similar to Matilda in the sense that it's about children who are inherently the most powerless group feeling, wanting to be empowered and feeling frustrated at their lack of ability that adults usually don't give them credit for. So the idea of pandemonium is the kids are looking at the spelling bee as an example of like they're like i cannot believe life is not fair right although i think the funniest moments is the fact that they're having 11 year olds say the word god damn it like 17 times all right next up soon leaf comes up to make his right okay so Gabby likes leaf who's your favorite is it is it barf because you played him i think my favorite is still olive olive is great um leaf is by far my favorite as we will get to with this song so even though he's not someone who people perceive as being intellectually gifted, he essentially goes into this trance state whenever he has to spell a word and he spells it without realizing really that he did it. Also, all of his words are South American rodents. Like capybara and acuchi. And eventually chinchilla. And gerbil. So this song is called I'm Not That Smart. I love this song. It's just him expressing that he's a quiet weird kid with a loud aggressive family and everyone tells him he's dumb but oh my gosh he got the word right and he loves spelling and maybe there's a type of intelligence to him right i know i always related to him because i'm a middle child in a really smart family my family is way more supportive than his family yes but uh but i always got the sort of feeling of like i'm not that smart and everyone else in my family is anyway it's just it's a lovely song i've never had that feeling I adore the song and I adore Leaf and I l- everyone in this show has a character arc is an amazing thing about this show. Mm-hmm. Or at it's least really all six impressive. Of the kids. That, that, yeah, that's why the Tony has only nominated anyone as a supporting actor. Yeah, because everyone that was absolutely was, the right thing to do yes, because of sort of the weird way it got to Broadway and the weird nature of the show. They cast a lot of non-traditional actors. Like this is what yeah. gave us Dan Fogler. This is what gave us Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah Salzberg. And- yeah. They, this is the show that gave us Celia Keenan-Bolger. So the next song is Magic Foot. Basically, oh. this is your big number as a person who has played this role. So I don't mean to denigrate it, but I do not care for this song. So so as a song, I, I personally also it, don't. Ex- explain to us what the song either. is. So in Magic Foot, it's a song about Barfay explaining to the world how he spells while Logan might write on her arm beforehand and Olive will talk into her hand before she spells out loud so that they won't mess up on their first time through the spelling, he uses his foot. He spells everything out on the stage using what he calls his magic foot. But what I really love about this number is the fact that Barfay is usually cast as someone who is overweight, but he gets to lead the dance number of the show. Which I find incredible. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. But he's not, he's atypical for a dance number, and there he is leading the dance number of the show. It is still, at least listening to it as opposed to watching it, like one of the least interesting numbers in the show. Yeah, although it has one of my favorite lyrics. I, I do like the, the line, alpha, alpha better, better way, way to spell. spell. It's yes. It's a great pun. 
Um, so Chip is up. Remember, he was last year's winner. Yes. And he has taken a shining to a certain audience member who has been designated mm, as... Marigold Coney Bear. Yes, Leaf's sister. And... Um, you look so pretty in that sweater, Marigold. Okay. It's Chip's time to come up for a word, and he is suddenly uncomfortable. He goes, I can't take a turn now. And they're like, it's your turn or you're just qualified. So it's clear that he is rocking a stiffy. And he sort of stumbles over his words. And even though he ultimately knows what he's doing, he technically says the word uh, wrong, spells it wrong. Well, it's also a lovely titillating word, tit up. Tit up. So we have a sort of reprise of spelling rules mixed with pandemonium as Chip is the first and, to and fall. And then actually also this um, goodbye. Yes. It's all three of those together. Yes, it's pretty cool. Um, And I wrote here in my notes... um. As the chips fall, were they? They because Chip was the first to fall. All right, so he's our first real competitor out. And right before he's booted off stage, we get a lovely monologue from Mitch Mahoney, the comfort counselor, talking about how he doesn't know how to comfort these kids, but he's just trying, you know. Well, he's just trying, but he's getting more and more chances as we go by because in quick succession, the remaining audience volunteers are kicked off stage, which is like... With more juice boxes gone. Which is like kind of a relief because I'm like, now we don't need to worry about this unknown quantity on the stage and yeah. is in the hands of the professionals. Um, and we get prayer of the comfort counselor um, with a goodbye so we can move on a pace. And I think this is a cute song. It's 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 the big gospel number of the show. Yes. Um, and it's it's very tongue-in-cheek. And usually if the cast is good, they'll actually address the last audience member by name. Because you have to figure out how to fit into like, yeah, the rhythm like, of the Yeah, like, are we going to go with first names? Are we going to go with last names? The whole name? What would you do with my name? Goodbye, um, goodbye, goodbye, Gabriella. I guess yeah, it kind of works. It does. Goodbye, Gabby. Goodbye, goodbye. Wait, does the show have goodbye, an intermission? Um, actually, no, the show does not have an intermission. I've seen a... Re- recording online of one production that did do an intermission and they open the second act with the song that is on the album that is not actually released by MTI or performed on Broadway which is We Like Spelling. Yeah why We Like Spelling is I don't miss it. Right it's, fine. it's only there is I think it was only recorded because it was a potential think, act break but it's there is no act break. I think it's this. redundant with Pandemonium because Why We Like Spelling is you know the chaotic life of a 12 year old mm-hmm. is too hard and you exactly, never know what's coming exactly. next. It's all it's, it's all stuff that specific and characters. And, yeah. enough to warrant it. All right, so just because Chip has been uh, kicked out of the competition doesn't mean that he's out of the musical. Right. So essentially, uh, he is being forced to sell concessions for the remainder of the B. Uh, So he sings a song that is known as M-U-E, or Chip's Lament. So uh, there's a musical that this show is similar to, and that show is a chorus line in the sense that it's characters competing for this thing, and that uh, you legit there's the same winner every night essentially. Right. But if you're in the audience and you're unfamiliar with the show, you don't know who it's going to be. Yeah, actually, for that very same reason, the Broadway cast and sometimes the traditional when you perform this to not list the usually playbills will list the song listing and who sings the songs. Mm-hmm. You don't for this because it would right. it would ruin the ending. By the way, we're going to ruin the ending in this podcast. Yes. So I bring up the chorus line comparison because Chip's Lament is a lot like Dance 10 Looks 3 in the sense that it is a song where the entire song is essentially a dirty joke. So they wanted something else to list in the playbill. M-U-E stands for My Unfortunate Erection. Um, and it's great because it's a song where he belts out erection. 
my unfortunate erection. Also, his voice cracks a lot because he's going through puberty. He sings and, about how he really liked Marigold Coney Bear, but he hates that he has this erection because it's ruining his spelling, which is so important to him. He doesn't quite understand. It's a great number to showstopper. There is an alternative. Ugh. I know. It's called My Unfortunate Distraction. Why even bother? This is like um, Social Life is Online from Avenue Q instead of The Internet is for Porn. There are other musicals. Just do The Music Man again. Right. It's a great show. You don't have to put on well, this the, musical. The sad thing is when in the production I did, we did do My Unfortunate Distraction. And because of that, there's actually an alternate line at the ending. But William Finn is clear in his in, in, in his in his writing that if you if the actor who is portraying Chip sings My Unfortunate Erection correctly, most of the audience isn't even gonna hear the word erection. <laughs> so don't even worry about it. And he's also supposed to be throwing candy during this number to the audience. Something that's great about this musical for William Finn is because all of these kids are super precocious, you can um you can insert really big words into songs and it doesn't come off as forced because these kids are so precocious yes. and using big vocabulary. Right, some of my favorite lyrics are forcing in big words that make no sense. Anyway, so meanwhile, um Olive and Will are starting, dare I say, to bond. That was one of my favorite lines to say on stage. That like that scene between Barfay and Olive. Yeah, it's all about. It's a lot of wordplay about understanding each other. Yeah, he's and, beginning to melt just a little bit. He well, has yeah, to. He's trying know, he's to tell starting, himself that he doesn't care, but he clearly does. Right, he's starting to understand that you can risk connection, which is so beautiful. All right, so time for some more character development for someone else. Logan is up, and we have uh, her song. Uh, woe is me. I love woe is I me. Love woe I love is woe, is woe is me. And there's this really good, I love this as a technique, this the chorus of actors sort of chanting at her, all of the expectations are mm-hmm. on her. We actually, that, that line, the so be angry smart, staccato, be, the yeah. be smart, be cool, be an adult, be remarkably adroit in social situations. In my production, we did it twice. Just because our, it's music, great. our musical yeah. director was like, you know, this part is amazing. Can't we just do it more than once? Be smart, be cool, be, be an, an adult, adult, be remarkably adroit in social situations. Be smart. Oh, I also be love cool. the false endings. Oh, and she because she keeps holding the note. Yeah. It's pretty neat. Um, okay, be here's smart, a fun fact cool. about this song. It contains a zugma. To explain this better than I, I believe our producer has a special clip explaining what a zugma is, and then I will say what said zugma is. And while it's also we just a great word, zugma. That. Yeah, while we were waiting. Oh, spell. For that. Yeah, spell zugma. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> May I have a definition? It comes from the Greek for yoke, and it's when you use one word twice, like if you say like, she stirred my soul and my risotto. The one in high school English we learned was I'm going to paint my nails and the town red. And another example would be in The Lion King, my teeth and ambitions are bared. And zugmas are so rare that I'm always on the lookout for them. Um, So in this song, She's uh, quoting her birth mother who lives in a trailer yeah, park. In and, Kansas Mo. And um, life and men, she writes, are hard. Yes. That is a dirty Zugma. Ugh. All right. Oh, gosh. I really wanted him to go further in this competition. Leaf gets out on the Af- word chinchilla. After a, after a, sp- the, the, the a spelling the, montage. That's a good, yeah, there's a go. montage to indicate that the competition is going on a while the Things ago. are going slower and faster and are cut between everyone's doing so great that we're going so far with these last five spellers yeah, it's and then all of a sudden Ding. oh i mean i hear the bell oh no 
leaf know? But here's the thing. So the reprise of I'm not that smart is he legitimately feels good about himself. He's like, I didn't need to win. I've proved to myself what no one else has ever told me. And I know for a fact that I'm smart. It's so beautiful. And then he goes, apple juice, please. And he sort of he triumphantly sips the little this is how far loser's he apple felt juice. Like he wants to come. And he feels successful about I love that. him so much. He went so much further than he expected. Oh, God. We'll get back to Leaf again at the end of the epilogue. Mm-hmm. We will get to that. Okay, so we haven't really heard from Marcy. And now she's up, though she's been kind of bothered because of the insinuation that Miss Peretti made that she's all business. Um, and so now she comes up and... Miss Peretti says that she speaks five languages. And Marcy's like, that's not true. I speak six. Oh. So she sings a song, I Speak Six Languages, which I think is a great song. It's also fun because it's it's the, it's in a way a girl power number because it's the, the two men on stage do nothing. Sure. They're pushed off to the side. Um, well, okay. So here's, here's my critique in the age of Hamilton is there are no hard and fast rules for casting the show racially. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, Marcy has been played by an Asian actress. Right. Although I saw what Rachel Schenken said about that. There were some casting issues that she found that she didn't want Mitch Mahoney, the ex-con, to be black, but he Even was though black. on Broadway he was. Um, and she didn't really want Marcy Park to be played Asian because that's these are both stereotypes but at least in the original productions they brought a great depth and humanity to the parts that they felt that they transcended the stereotype sure but marcy is still like the perfect child who is right no no it is the stereotype but usually with the right actor you can transcend that stereotype anyway the song is fun she gets to show off all the tricks she can do whatever your actor can do you should just make them do it i believe according to the internet the six languages that she speaks are french spanish japanese russian hebrew and german i believe you are right yeah and she gets like to sing one line in all of these and then i don't know yeah and then i can't sing in german um, so Marcy it just has to spell the word camouflage, which is an easy word. She says, Jesus, can't you come up with a harder word than that? Of course I can, my child. And then Jesus shows up. So depending on the actors in the Broadway production, like this is my favorite line in the whole libretto. So like just cast both of these characters as Asian because her line is, Jesus, I always knew you were Asian. I just, I lost it. Um, And she has a nice conversation with Jesus about will he be disappointed in her if she doesn't win the spelling bee because she has Catholic guilt. And he's like, it's up to you whether you win. And she's like, so you'll still love me? He's like, yeah. Also, I don't care about this sort of thing, which is also great. (laughs) Um, And then she makes the, she's trying to make a decision about, you know, camouflage. She's so liberated. She just starts throwing extra letters in there, throws the competition triumphantly just gets to leave. Um, yes. Very often she'll do a cartwheel off stage. Um, so things are heating up in the competition. The vice principal has a freak out. <laughs> because, because once again, Olive's father has not arrived and he keeps trying to call her cell phone and she can't answer the phone during the B. That's not right. And, yeah. no, and no one seems to be adhering to the rules. He's just trying to do what he has to do. And why won't things just run smoothly? And why won't Rona Lisa Peretti love him? Anyway, so then Mitch Mahoney calms him down. Um, so as the competition heats up, uh, Logan's dads decide to sabotage William. 
and like pour soda on the stage so that it will disable his magic foot, which they claim is an unfair advantage. Well, before we find out how the soda spill took, <gasps> we have what is just sort of on like probably a technical songwriting level and also like emotionally affecting level, the best number in the show. It's called the I Love You song. Olive is up there, it's her turn, and she zones out and has an entire dream sequence where she essentially imagines her parents giving her the love and support that they don't. You see, she was asked to spell the word chimerical when asked the definition, unreal, imaginary, visionary, wildly fanciful, highly unrealistic. Yeah, anyway, so she has a dream sequence, and it's this combination of her parents telling her that they love her and that she's a winner to them and that they are sorry for ways that they have hurt her and then her and expressing her hurt to them. Like the line where she says um, to her mother, she says, I, I think, think dad is angry and I think he's taking out on me what he wants to take out on you. No, I, I know you're an actor. You can cry. You don't that need was, to do No, this. that wasn't me trying to cry. It's just like it wants to. It's really it's a three-part really... harmony of uh, of a declaration of love, oh, yeah. and then the pause right at the end where Panch says the word again one more time. It's like, come on, chimerical. And then she just kind of says it. Chimerical, C H I M E A R I C, wildly fanciful, highly unrealistic. Yeah, it's pretty that brutal. Is All right, dear, so, I love you. Song, so I love you. Barf is back up and he can't use his magic foot because of the soda on the stage, but he gets through it anyway and he is newly empowered that he doesn't just need his foot. As he spells the words crepuscule. And now because we're in the top three, Logan's up once again. It's a U, by the way, not an E. Okay. And the word is vug. And she spells it V-U-G-G-H-E, but it's just V-U-G. Because she overcomplicates things always. Actually, I googled what a vug is and there are actually multiple acceptable spellings, but not the one that she did. Her goodbye song, her like reprise and her goodbye is it's, maybe the saddest in the show. By the, it, no, it most definitely is the saddest. And the backing cello on there is is probably the most haunting piece of music. Because a lot of kids either left, either and, it was funny when they left like right. Chip or there was something triumphant about it like Marcy right. or or Leaf even. She, and yes. with her, she's just like, oh, I'm a loser. And like, who that's how she's me? been trained. She's, yeah. she's been programmed to, to try to gain approval from from. America. Then she shares a touching goodbye, just her and Mitch. Yeah. So now that our final two, Will and Olive, duke it out over the song second. This is like the least memorable song in the show. I do not care about this. Like the song it's is a, a lot means of fun to, to an sing, end. But it's really like it has the most interest. The reason why it's not memorable is because it gets technically weird. It, it keeps switching up its tempo and rhythm. Um, hey, Olive, don't think I'm distracted by your eyes and your smile and your hairdo. Oh, the things I do not dare do. Sure, he's at an age where he can start being interested in girls. I don't like the mention of him being like distracted by her hair because I like it that they're developing as friends. I don't like the insinuation that he has a crush on her. But it's fine. Um, during second and right before second, they get to have an adorable bout of word games back and forth with one another. They're saying, well, zoonosis. Is that the longest word that you can flip each letter upside down and still be the same word? And fabache, is that the longest word you can spell on oh, the God. piano? Okay. Well, um, over the course of the number, Olive deci- realizes that she enjoys competing and gets like a thirst to win that she never really had. And sort of the yang to her again, Barf realizes that he likes her as 
a friend and even though he's pretty sure he can win does he want to because he's he's starting to think of someone else yeah for the first time but what happens harrison tell me well she says it's okay barf i don't know if she actually says it or if he hears it in his head well specifically what happens is she gets a word wrong so now if he gets this word right and it's a word that he knows he will win right so it's up to him whether or not he wins she 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 couldn't spell elinguescence but he has to spell that weltenshang and there's actually two U's in Weltenshang. I do like that it's U, like the letter U and also like U, right, Olive. Exactly. My fr- that's, oh, how it's, that's how it switches in there. It's brilliant. like, wait. And then he wins. He wins. Barfay wins. William Morris Barfay is a champion. Panch does something nice for once and because... Olive's father never showed up. He pretends that there's a second place prize and it's $25 cash. Right out of his wallet. So then Olive is able to return that 25 as the registration fee and that's a nice little Much moment. like Lilo buying Stitch. Can uh, I borrow $5? Oh, yes. <laughs> Isn't it $3? No, maybe it's $5. It's $5. It's, you, would, you would know better than me. <laughs> so now we have our epilogue where a la, you know, certain movies, like most famously American Graffiti, all the characters just get up and tell us what happens to them. All right. So what happens to, uh, I don't know, whoever. Just just give it to us in the Should order. In the order? So yeah, sum first, it up. Panch. Vice Principal Panch found a new passion in life. Her name was Ronalisa Peretti. After courting her tirelessly for over two years, she took out a restraining order on him, and he still was grateful for the opportunity to experience love. Rona Peretti left Putnam County for a while. Uh, She travels the world, bringing competitive spelling bee to the less fortunate. In the Republic of Guinea-Bissau, she fell in love with an indigenous cashew farmer and became one of the top realtors there. Mitch Mahoney discovered a new talent at the Putnam Bee, so he made his community service lifelong comforting eliminated spellers and frustrated educators across the nation. Chip Tolentino made it through adolescence and in the course of time came to appreciate his erection, as did many many others. others. Marcy Park continued to explore the freedom of not living up to expectations. She later wrote a book. Leaf Coney Bear Has Cats. Logan wound up actually winning this, the Putnam County Spelling Bee in her se- on her seventh try and final year of eligibility. She went on to become Secretary of Education under insert president's name. Usually it's someone, someone topical because she gets to ad-lib some things in her I feel like it would be script. like President Laverne Cox. Um, and she, her speech therapy was completely successful. Uh, William Barfay and Olive stay friends. He came in 42nd, which is the top 50 in that national spelling bee. And he gets to create his own branch of medicine. Sorry, you should take this I one. I just want to say, you- yeah, he, he, he combined his, the scientific fields of psychiatry and podiatry, otherwise known as poskiatry. Also, he ended up being handsome. Oh, yes. Okay, so the original Shout epilogue is Olive Ostrovsky went home to an empty house, an uncertain future, and a well-worn dictionary, but a strange new conviction that she would be able to face all three. It's really beautiful. And they, and they decided it was too dark and they had to lighten it well, up. No, I don't William think it's Finn too dark. It's too dark. Re- the Broadway version of Olive's epilogue is that uh, her father came to pick her up, drove her home. She reenacted the spelling bee. She grew up to be a loving and attentive parent. That detail always gets me. Um, and she hosted a radio talk show where every year she interviewed the runner up of the Putnam County spelling bee. Which is kind of adorable still. And we have the finale, which is uh, a, like reprise a reprise of the opening. And they sing one more reprise of goodbye for good measure. The final goodbye. So Tony's, uh, it was nominated for Best Musical, lost to Spamalot. 
Uh, it won Book of a Musical, which it so deserved. Um, it was nominated for score. It was nominated. Celia Keenan Bolger was nominated. Uh, it was directed by James Lapine, and he was nominated. And the winner was Dan Fogler got performance by a featured actor in a musical. Fun fact, uh, this show recouped its initial investments in 18 weeks on Broadway. Which is impressive. Which is nearly unheard of. It's because, like, what is the budget for this show? It's like a couple of folding chairs. Like, you don't need to pay the audience <laughs> hey, members hey, who are in the show. Those original bleachers, they spun. Okay. Yeah, there's a turntable. Okie doke, lyrics time. What is your least favorite lyric in this show? Um, I kind of really, really hate the line of, um, in the reference to um, Nietzsche, Nietzsche being the great-grandfather of Christina Ricci. Uh-huh. I, like, it feels like he was just like, what like, rhymes with... Yeah, it's just like, let's rhyme something with Nietzsche, and it's pop culture. I hate when I hate when musicals make reference to pop culture when they don't have any reason to. So I totally see what you're saying, and I consider briefly going with the lyric, but I think how they play it off as, like, her being silly. Right, no, I understand. It was, it was enough to push it out of the bottom for me. Okay. Um, so for my least favorite, I just did from Pandemonium, In These Lights, Can You Feel Our Pain? Like, okay. I just, it just seemed a little bit imprecise. I'm not really sure what Olive is talking about. Like, does she, I assume she means, like, the bright lights of the stage while she's... Yeah, that's precisely what it means. That's, it's, it, that's a middle-of-the-road lyric for me. What's your favorite lyric? So, I do love the fact that he says, my fears are odious and feckened. Might simply just be the word tornadoes. It's just so well-placed and so... In a trailer, in a park, tornadoes. tornadoes. Life, Life and men, she, she writes, are, are hard. hard. That's an amazing line as well. She was like, to meet me when I've grown and burst like a comet. But I'm so stressed by my stress, I just want to up and vomit. Oh, I love it. My favorite lyric is from I'm Not That Smart. Um, and it's, I have a gentle personality, which you'll all agree is anathema to my more aggressive family. That is an amazing lyric, yes. That he uses the word anathema and also that it's him being self-aware, even though he comes off even as this like weird maladjusted like, kid that he actually he, knows was, exactly what If he's he was about. on his ADD medication, he actually might be able to... Is that your theory? That he just has like a hippie family that refuses to medicate? And... Probably, because it's, it's written into the, scri- into the character description that he is like ADHD. There is a moment in the stage where he literally falls out of his seat. He's so cute. I love him. (laughs) All right. um, Anywhere on social media you want to be followed? You can follow me on Instagram. Well, okay. What is your Um, Instagram? Harry Benjamin, where the H is made out of an 11 and the B is made out of the number 8. And you, winner, for participating, you have won our spelling bee. Your prize is to have the ability to go online and rate and review us on iTunes. Yay! That's an amazing prize. Yeah. What does the second runner-up receive? Uh, the ability to follow us on Twitter or Facebook. And what is the first runner-up? Because I skipped that. Uh, the ability to email us at uh, paltalpodcast at gmail.com. And everyone who didn't make it that far may join me in thanking Harrison for being on the podcast again. And Thank talking you for about having this musical. Me. I love this musical and I'm really happy that you had me here for it. I like this musical okay. It's it's greater than the sum of its parts. Basically, yes. Right. We have right. That's why we complain. Mr. Barbie, halitosis. Am I And as they say in once, leave, leave, and free yourself at the same time. Leave, leave. I don't understand. You've already gone. Can you feel our pain? Somebody spell crayon. Life is random and unfair Life is pandemonium
Do your stitch voice. Stitch. Yay. Okay. Um, they told you the 25th annual Putnam's County Spelling Bee. The 25th annual Putnam's County Spelling Bee. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our bumper. Um, <laughs> Ohana. Spell Ohana.